Hello and welcome to Let's Talk MedTech, the premier podcast for the medical device and diagnostic industry. My name is Omar Ford and I'm the host of this episode of Let's Talk MedTech. I'm also editor-in-chief of MDDI, an online publication owned by Informa that is dedicated to the MedTech professional. On this episode of Let's Talk MedTech, it's all about digital health, and we're going to be speaking with Rachel Hall, EY's U.S. Consulting Digital Health and Smart Health Experience Leader. Rachel is going to give her insight on the digital health space and talk about where it's going and what we can look forward to from it. It's going to be an incredible conversation, and I can't wait for you to hear it. And also, after the interview, stick around for a special announcement from Adrian Zabetta, Informa's Group Event Director, about Biomed Device Boston. Now, without further ado, let's talk MedTech with Rachel Hall. Well, hello and welcome to Let's Talk MedTech. Uh, thanks for joining, Rachel. It's always a pleasure when we have someone from EY to stop by. Thank you so much for having me. Sure, sure. I, I know we're delving into digital health, but that's such a, a broad term. Can you kind of put that in perspective for us for the conversation we're going to have today? Absolutely. And I, and I love that you acknowledge that it is a broad term because it absolutely means different things to different people. Exactly, when I'm yeah. thinking about digital health, what I'm really talking about is, is first and foremost, consumerism and how we enable that with different digital technologies. When we think about digital health, we're always thinking about ways to improve the quadruple aim. So things like outcomes and safety, access, experience for patients and care team, and certainly reduction of costs. You know, I almost feel like, I want to go back to that for a second. I almost feel like we have to look at digital health through two different lens, uh, BC and after COVID, you know, right? BC is before COVID. That's like mm -hmm. an inside joke here on Let's Talk Med Tech. <laughs> I say BC a lot. But if this is true, um, how has it changed uh, since the onset of the pandemic? How is digital health evolving? Yeah, and I would completely agree with you that that COVID that COVID was almost this great accelerator, even though it was you know a tremendous um, challenge for all of us uh, across the globe. But it was a great accelerator as we think about digital health. And in that regard, what what was happening before COVID is that we had a lot of niche solutions for different aspects of virtual care. And we had pockets of what I would almost call pilots for different ways to enable consumerism in care. When COVID happened, people were no longer apt to go into um, physical care settings to provide their care. And so virtual care became something that had to scale immediately. And so what, what organizations had in terms of virtual care uh, which was really a white glove service for small populations had had to be scaled. and and oftentimes it was scaled um, with the technologies that was were available, with the resources that were available, um because that is simply how it had to be. And so now we're in this place where we have virtual care and we have siloed offerings for a lot of different capabilities. But the experience that those enable is pretty poor. Um, and so we have a lot of work to do to improve the overall experience um, related to, to digital health, related to virtual care, um, related to different technologies in care um, 
that we simply have to improve on and we have to leverage all the technologies available to us to be able to do that. Let's take a moment and look into this idea of prioritizing the consumer. Uh, And first, before we do that, let's define who these consumers are. And this whole idea of a consumer in healthcare, I know it's been discussed, it's been talked about a lot, but we're seeing this shift, in my opinion. We're seeing this rapid shift from patients to consumers. And I think that, you know, in my opinion, that's because uh, people are becoming more involved in with their health and it, it's becoming more user friendly, so to speak. So the more knowledge, the more user friendly technologies, the more that uh, patients are able to actually take ownership. I think we're seeing them slowly evolve into well, not slowly, but quickly evolve into consumers. What are your thoughts on that? And I know I just yeah. said a mouthful, right? <laughs> Yeah. Well, we would agree with what you said. Consumers expect out of healthcare what they're able to get out of every other industry. It, um, so, so first of all, let's talk about consumers, because in this case, we're talking about consumers being patients or they're being uh, family members. Like, so if we're talking a pediatric patient, it's usually you know a family member who's helping them navigate that care or an aging individual. It's a family member helping them. But, but let's stay on that side as we think about consumerism. Consumers expect out of healthcare what they can get out of any other industry. So banking, for example, or consumer products, for example, you can access whatever you want to access via a mobile app, via your computer. Um, It is insightful. It is transparent to the cost. It is real time. You can quickly get what you need. They expect that out of healthcare. And frankly, finally, we're at a place where regulations are changing and we are enabling consumers to have similar capabilities in healthcare. So I don't think healthcare made that happen. I think consumers made that happen. And consumers will have and will continue to impact future future care capabilities, future roadmaps, um, because everyone's vying for how they attract and retain populations and continue to serve them. Interesting, interesting. I I just wonder, you know, when, when we just talk about these patients slash consumers, I'm wondering how, you know, physicians kind of see that right now. <laughs> Are they embracing that idea? And, you know, I, I'll tell a, a, just a quick story. I mean, whenever I go to the doctor now, I go to see my physician for a physical, I'm looking up all of my stats. You know, I'm Googling to see what my lab results mean to, to put it into perspective for me so I have a, a better knowledge and I can say, okay, wait a minute, you know, this is only um, 0.5 off. You know, what does this really mean in the larger scheme of things? So I, I'm taking that ownership, right? I'm taking that responsibility where in the past, probably in my parents' day, they would have just taken the numbers and seen it and just been like, okay, and, and listen to the physician's recommendation. But now there's uh, the ability to have a conversation or to go back and forth uh, with the physician. And I'm just wondering, uh, how are they dealing with this this new age of, of education and digital health, since digital health provides a lot of that, um, a, a lot of that knowledge? That's right. That's right. And we often say what's happened with the physician's role is they used to be the authority 
And mm-hmm. now they're more of a guide because patients do come in so much more informed um, and they've done research. Whether that research is correct or incorrect <laughs> is sort yes. of not the point. They come in with information and th- then the the physician, the clinician has to um, has to respond to that and guide them because they also patients and and caregivers they they want um, access to that information in and around their home through their community um, and you know through other aspects of their lives so there's a lot to navigate your question was about what do what do clinicians think of that and you know my sense is from working with some of the medical schools um, and from working with clinicians, I think that sometimes that can be challenging for them, but I think for the most part, they expect that. They understand the population. They too receive care. They too have family members. They understand that. What they're trying to do is make sure that the information at the hands of the patients is is fact-based information yeah. and it's and it's real. And it's difficult, you know, when you're dealing with the internet, it's difficult to to um, help them sort through what's correct and what's incorrect given what the data sh- is showing them. Yeah. Now, data integration is something that you're you're big on when discussing digital health. Um, let's talk about that a bit. Let's let, let's delve into that now. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, data is so interesting. So we we talked about data in a couple of different ways. Um, first of all, starting from that point of consumerism, which we were just on. Yeah. Only 20 percent of what keeps an individual well is actually 20% of the data that keeps an individual healthy is contained in a clinical record. That's really important. So when we think about what does it take to know and understand everything that we would need to in order to provide the right care to an individual, 80% of that data is not in a clinical record. That means that healthy health behaviors, are they exercising, not exercising, what's going on as it relates to their behaviors, social and economic factors, access to care, um, the physical environment that they live in, you know, is the air healthy, is the air not healthy? All, all those different types of factors are important to understand when we start to think about how do we keep someone well. They're also important to understand when we think about how do we help them change behaviors so that they are empowered to keep themselves well. Our data today in health is contained in so many different systems. Uh, You know, it, it, it grew by acquisition, lots of legacy technologies. Our data is siloed and it's very difficult to access. And we even say that, you know, 20, we expect there will be 27 billion connected devices by 2025. They're connected, but the data associated with them is not connected. And what clinicians need is a longitudinal patient record in order to really understand what's right for this individual and how do I make sure that I'm providing the right care and incenting them in the right ways to influence their care and outcomes. Oh, wow. That brings... (laughs) That brings back memories of um, uh, electronic health records and when they were first coming into play. And I remember being at a conference in Atlanta and hearing just the the concern over data integration or how do we get these things to talk to each other and how do we get this to work? And it was just such an amazing discussion back then. I can't remember, maybe 2011, 2012, I, I might be off of my years, but just back then it was just such an incredible discussion. 
And now seeing where we are with with data integration on a much even larger scale, it's just amazing. It is. It is. And even if we think about that, like just in terms of primary care, for example, primary care, now we have primary care teams that are multidisciplinary care teams that are accessing data from a smart home. And so that data is coming into these uh, digital command centers and and it, it the command centers are highlighting just the data that needs to be seen by these care teams so that they can predictively intervene on behalf of, on, on behalf of, of patients. And, and it's so many different data sets. It's not just data associated with organ systems, but it's, you know, uh, wearables. Um, and and smart devices in the home. Um, so everything about care and the future care ecosystem, it's shifting and it's shifting in a way that improves our overall outcomes and improves our experiences, just as we sort of started talking about. But to make that work, data has to be accessible and it has to be insightful. Agreed, agreed. Rachel, I'm, I'm pausing a little bit. I'm hesitant a little bit now because we're going to get into a real heavy topic and it's been discussed a lot lately and you know i'm i almost want to i almost want to take a a deep breath before i say this but let's delve into it let's talk about the role of artificial intelligence in healthcare <laughs> and digital health it's a heavy term that's constantly evolving in fact i think the last 6 months there's just been so much activity right now surrounding ai that it's it's incredible what are we seeing that that's really catching your eye right now in ai in healthcare yeah um, there's so much going on with AI. I know, I know. You're, you're taking that deep <laughs> breath too. You're preparing. You're like, yeah, I get it. But go ahead. I'm you know, sorry. and you read the news and you're excited and yet you're a little scared because you hear all of the, you know, the fear factor. Um, yeah. In health though, AI uh, can offer, offer so many insights. So um, here are a couple examples. You know, uh, we could be thinking about in health things like ways to address patient safety and reducing adverse effects. Uh, adverse errors um, because we have insights. Uh, if we're illuminating patient history, we have better insights um, to them, to populations like them, and we're able to tailor care correctly for them. Um, we could have insights about whether or not um, uh, conducting additional tests for a particular individual would give us enough enough um, information to make the test meaningful for us. Um, we have things like a metaverse. And I think about what a metaverse might mean for um, an autistic population, for example, um, you know, to help um, an individual with autism better anticipate, you know, what, what what might going through a particular procedure feel like for them before, during and after and what can they expect. So so just preparing people for what the future can be, even if the future is immediate, you know, but just using AI to to set expectations to better inform um, and to alleviate some of the anxiety that's associated with healthcare. So AI has so many different potential places to inform us um, and to improve uh, our care experiences and, and the results associated with our care. Yeah, it, it it's such a dense topic and it's it's all over the news right now. And uh, my good friend Dave Saunders and I had a discussion on an earlier episode of Let's Talk MedTech. And Dave is uh, with Galen Robotics. But we had this discussion about do we see AI 
in healthcare or is it just machine learning? And I won't have you get into that whole debate because, <laughs> but he and I went back and forth on that. And it, and if you get a chance, please, uh, audience, check out that episode of Let's Talk MedTech with Dave Saunders. Uh, but I say that to say this, the conversations that we're having now about artificial intelligence, I'm willing to bet five months from now, we won't be having those same conversations because it's rapidly evolving. It is constantly changing. And that's the exciting, but of course, it's also the scary part of it too. I think that's right. And there are so many different aspects, you know, digital therapeutics and, you know, future workforce. And there are just so many things to think about, um, even in terms of like clinical documentation and what does that look like? I, I just, I look at it as as a huge opportunity for us. Um, yes. As with any new technology, you can you can think about it in terms of the negative, or you could think about it in terms of the positive. And I think in this case, there's so much positive that can be applied, and we need to you know we need to look at things with our eyes open, um, but really inform improved decision making and insights for yeah. clinicians and and as consumers of health and we're all consumers of health you know yeah. we want we want um we we need things that are going to be simpler for us um more personalized toward us you mm-hmm. know understand our lifestyles you know i look at at ai as an opportunity to get us to that same, yes agreed same here while we're talking about looks into the future um 5 years from now where do you see digital health what kinds of discussions will there be in the space? Will the conversation be different or or much the same? Will we still be calling it digital health? That's another huge debate. You know, I've I've had a couple of guests that have come on and say, you know, we're it's not digital health anymore. It's health. We're just using digital applications because it's becoming so normalized now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I would agree with that. It it is all health, and it's also you know um, we talk about sometimes digital health transformation, and and really yeah. that's just digital business. You know, so yeah, yeah. it's it's this evolution we're going through, and we're always going through an evolution like that. But five years from now, so one of the things we haven't talked about is health equity, and um, you know everyone's focused on it, but we certainly aren't making enough impact. And, and I think five years from now we're going to see some significant impacts as it relates to health equity. We have to, we have to. It's not just the right thing to do. It's 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 good for business too. We've got to make care more accessible to different populations. And and I think that will be a tremendous, um, uh, like five years down the road, I think we will have made some great strides in that regard. Um, I think as well, uh, uh, access just overall um, for, for all um, and virtual care will look much different in the future. I also think if you thought about um, the health ecosystem that we're in today, you know, today we talk about hospitals, we talk about payers, we talk about um, outpatient surgery centers, things like that. The ecosystem is going to be different five years from today. It will no longer be just your traditional health players. You're going to have um, uh, financial services much more closely tied. There's there's a direct tie between health and wealth. Um, and, and so banking is going to be right in there. Consumer products will be right in there. We're going to have networks as a huge part of the health ecosystem. Um, and so I think that there is a tremendous convergence that's happening as we think about uh, what does it really take to understand the consumer and how do we how do we really make that happen in health? Yeah, I I, I just 
think this is going to be an amazing journey and, and can't wait to see how things unfold. I agree. And I feel very fortunate to be in this place, to be able to not just be an observer in it, but to be able to influence it. So uh, it's, it's really a particularly um, exciting time, I think, to be in this industry. Yes, yes. An exciting time. Well, Rachel, thank you for being on this episode of Let's Talk MedTech. We appreciate whenever anyone from EY comes out. But this was this was a great this was a great conversation. Just an awesome conversation. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to be with you. Um, and I look forward to uh, potential opportunities to work with you again in the future. Well, that's it for our conversation with EY's Rachel Hall. Rachel, thanks for coming out. But however, that's not it for this episode of Let's Talk MedTech. Please stay on as we have a special conversation lined up with Adrian Zapetta, Informa's Group Event Director, regarding Biomed Device Boston. Well, hello, Adrian. It's, it's nice to talk to you again. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Sure. So Biomed Device Boston is right around the corner. I know there's a lot of excitement around it this year. Can you maybe share some highlights for us? Yeah, absolutely. We, um, with the rest of the industry, are very excited about Biomed Device Boston this year. We have a lot of really great things happening. We've designed the event to be two full days, but the best part is if you can only make it one day, we've got something for you um, either way. So it, it's really great. We have a lot going on in terms of education. We have, of course, our center stage theater, our tech theater. We're partnering again with Mass Medic, who's going to be having their Ignite cohort there to do presentations on all of their startups. So you can get firsthand knowledge on all of the, the new products and technologies coming out to the market. And then we also have our masterclass conference series that we brought back. So day one will be all around startup education. And day two will be a lot around brand development. So something for startups and established OEMs. And covering a lot around um, policies and regulations as well. And we're partnering with Medicept for that content. And those are just a couple of things. We also have a couple highlighting uh, networking features that we're doing, uh, welcome reception and um, some other cool things. So a, a really great event. What can we expect in terms of keynote speakers? Who will they be and what will they be talking about? Yeah, definitely. So we have two keynote speakers. Uh, we'll have one keynote on day one, and that's going to be Gregory Fisher, uh, he is founder and CEO of AIM Medical Robotics. And then on day two, we're going to have uh, Nicole Black, and she's vice president of biomaterials um, and innovation at Desktop Health. So it's both speaking on um, some really cool topics. Nicole's going to touch on 3D printing, and uh, Gregory's going to touch on concept to commercialization, all about bringing a medical device to market. Okay, so we know this is happening right around the corner, but can you tell us when and where this is happening? Yeah, absolutely. September 20th to the 21st this year, 2023. And then that will be at the Boston uh, Exhibition and Convention Center. And how can attendees register? Very easy. Just log in to biomedboston.com and click on the register today button. And that's biomedboston.com. Do that's I have it correct? Okay. Yes. Sounds great. For more information on Biomed Device Boston and all of the latest breaking news in the medical device industry, you can check us out at mddionline.com. That's mddionline.com. And please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to Let's Talk MedTech on Apple Podcasts or wherever 
you get your podcasts.